Welcome to the Hello Someday podcast, the podcast for busy women who are ready to drink less and live more. I'm Casey McGuire-Davidson, ex-red wine girl turned life coach, helping women create lives they love without alcohol. But it wasn't that long ago that I was anxious, overwhelmed, and drinking a bottle of wine a night to unwind. I thought that wine was the glue holding my life together, helping me cope with my kids, my stressful job, and my busy life. I didn't realize that my love affair with drinking was making me more anxious and less able to manage my responsibilities. In this podcast, my goal is to teach you the tried and true secrets of creating and living a life you don't want to escape from. Each week, I'll bring you tools, lessons, and conversations to help you drink less and live more. I'll teach you how to navigate our drinking-obsessed culture without a buzz, how to sit with your emotions when you're lonely or angry, frustrated or overwhelmed, how to self-soothe without a drink, and how to turn the decision to stop drinking from your worst-case scenario to the best decision of your life. I am so glad you're here. Now let's get started. Hey there. I've got some big news for you that I have been not so patiently waiting to tell you about. After six months away, my super popular completely free masterclass is back and it's better than ever. I've been working on it for months. So if you have been struggling to get sober momentum, please go to hellosomedaycoaching.com forward slash class. You can sign up for my free training, Five Secrets to Taking a Break from Drinking, even if you've tried and failed in the past. In this 60-minute masterclass, I am going to share with you all the things you need to stop doing because they're setting you up for self-sabotage and what you need to start doing instead. I am giving you the steps and the mindset shifts that I go through every day with my private coaching clients, and it is completely free. So if you are sober curious, if you've been thinking about taking a break from alcohol, this class is going to set you up for success. I promise you it is worth your time. So hit pause on this episode, go to hellosomedaycoaching.com forward slash class and save your seat. Hi there. Welcome to the third podcast in this series about how to break your habit of drinking based on the research into what works in changing behavior for long-term success without relying on willpower. So in episode 34, the first in this series, we talked about how to stop drinking using identity-based habits and how every action you take in working towards your goal is like casting a vote that you are, in fact, the kind of person you want to be. We talked about how the actions you take every day to break out of the drinking cycle or to take part in activities to meet your needs where you are not using alcohol to do it. You are creating evidence 10 or more times a day by going to the grocery store and not picking up wine, by reading a book about quitting drinking, by going to bed early instead of drinking on the couch, all of it, that's all evidence that it is true, that in that moment, you are a healthy, happy person who doesn't drink. And as you do that more and more, your identity will be, 
I'm a healthy person who doesn't drink. And then by not drinking, you will just be acting in alignment with the person you already are. In the second podcast in this series, which was episode 35, we talked about how to break your habit of drinking in four steps by changing your cues, cravings, responses, and rewards. And in this podcast episode, number 36, we're going to talk about the tipping point, the point when your behavior changes and shifts into your identity. When you were just a happy, healthy non-drinker, you're someone who used to drink, but you quit that shit because you feel better without it. And at that tipping point, when it happens, then by choosing not to drink, you're just acting in alignment with who you are. The struggle to not drink is gone. Your mind is not constantly thinking about drinking or not drinking. You are just a person who doesn't drink anymore, so you don't drink. It's when you casually say, when someone asks you if they can get you a wine or beer, you say, no thanks, can I grab an X instead? Or I brought Y instead to drink. I actually stopped drinking a few months ago. And it's not hard. It's just a fact, a fact about you that you're actually pretty damn proud of. If you do the work we talked about in the earlier episodes on atomic habits, sooner or later, this shift just happens for you. You hit the tipping point. And in this episode, I want to talk about three concepts. Number one, what's tripped you up in the past, which are a lot of fears, your fears about change and our natural inclination to stay where things are familiar, where we're comfortable, even if where we are and where we're comfortable feels kind of crappy and the way you're living is just okay. Number two, I want to talk about what James Clear in Atomic Habits calls the plateau of latent potential, the stored energy, the work you're doing before you hit that tipping point and how to look at it in a way that makes sense to you and validates the work you're doing before you hit the identity shift. So you don't get bored and frustrated and decide to just go back and start over before the tipping point hits. And the third thing I want to talk about is the fact that habits make time your ally. That's why it's so powerful. The benefits compound. The benefits of your daily habits compound exponentially over time and that the results are incredible. So first, let's talk about what's tripped you up in the past, which likely are your conscious or your subconscious fears about change and our natural inclination to stay where things are familiar, where we're comfortable, even if it's kind of a crappy place to live. In episode 34, the first podcast in this series, we talked about how willpower doesn't work to sustain the long-term changes you want. And what's kind of crazy is that willpower and motivation aren't enough to sustain change, even if you know all the things about why you should change and you honestly believe that your life would be better without alcohol. And what trips us up is our fear of change. Let me give you an example that hopefully brings this to life. Tell me if this sounds familiar in terms of what usually happens when you're trying to stop drinking, when you wake up for the umpteenth time and say, that's it, enough, I can't do this anymore. And you say, I mean it this time, I'm determined, this is it. 
And in that moment, you are inspired and you are determined to change. You want to change your life, your reality, the way you've been living. But then a little while later, you somehow inevitably slide back down into debating the change and deciding, eh, it's really not worth it, or you really don't want it, or the trade-offs of what you think you'll be giving up by not drinking is too much, or you think, I won't succeed anyway because I've tried before and it hasn't worked, so why the fuck would I go through that beginning sobriety period again? Basically, your motivation isn't enough because in a day or a week or a month, you look up and suddenly you're back to your present reality, your physical surroundings, your schedule, your routines. You look around you and there are cues everywhere to drink, your irritations, your triggers, and your willpower just gives out. I love how Jen Sincero, who writes the You Are a Badass series, talks about how this happens. So let's say something happens. You read something or you listen to something or you really have a bad hangover and you wake up and you are super motivated to make changes. You are fired up to make a change. You're hell-bent to do the things you need to do to make your life better. And then Jen says, all of your familiar excuses have shuffled back in and resumed their perches, planting their heavy defiant bodies squarely in the way of your hopes and your dreams. I love that image of their heavy, defiant bodies, your excuses, resuming their perches on top of your hopes and your dreams. I can visualize that so clearly. So the point is that motivation fades and willpower isn't enough. And you're left facing a world where your desire to change is undermined not only by all the things we've talked about before, your physical environment that's designed to draw you back into your bad habits, your social environment and the people you surround yourself with who are, for better or for worse, used to you being the way you've been, but also your own fears, the you that is uncomfortable with change. And you're then left with your own resistance and self-doubt about leaving behind the familiar, however imperfect it might be. Because even in the crappy mornings and the fuzzy nights, you're comfortable in your current reality. Jen describes in her books why we resist change. So I'm going to paraphrase it here and add a few thoughts of my own. Number one, human beings are scared shitless of change. Change is by definition different. It dismantles your known experience, so it pulls on your sense of security. It opens up a void of possibility, which is scary, even though it could actually be, and very likely is, way more awesome than the current experience you're clinging to. But change is unknown, and it threatens your reality. It makes you uncomfortable, so consciously or unconsciously, you take a few tentative steps towards change. And then all your excuses come back in again, getting in the way of your hopes and dreams. So yeah, human beings are scared shitless of change. And second, human beings would often rather adapt to the lukewarm, kind of crappy, fun-free familiar instead of risking the unknown. And unfortunately for most people, 
unless the familiar becomes so unbearable that we can't stand it, we're unwilling to risk taking the leap into the unknown that change would require. We have certain beliefs about ourselves that are really hard to change because we've been clinging to them, both the good and the bad, for years. We will cling to our identities, what we tell ourselves about ourselves, about who we are, and what we're capable of, even if we're miserable and parts of our identities are kind of shitty and something we're not that proud of. Jen writes that even if we'd love to make a change, we subconsciously fear that if we stop believing our stories about who we are and what's available to us, the foundations of our realities will disappear. Or in my experience, when women think about quitting drinking, we have these conscious or unconscious, truly ridiculous shit beliefs that somehow stop us from making what rationally is a really healthy change. So here are some examples. You might have thought to yourself, if I stop drinking, maybe my relationship with my husband or my partner won't survive. Maybe he likes his drinking buddy and he won't like me sober. And by the way, when that fear and that excuse props up, you are 100% ignoring the fact that you're now falling asleep on the couch or passing out every night wrapped in your own bubble of drinking, worrying about your drinking, and wicked hungover in the morning. So you're actually not that much fun of a drinking buddy anymore. But forget that. That's the fear that comes up that subconsciously holds you back and sabotages you. You might think, if I stop drinking, maybe I'll lose all my friends and will never be able to go out to dinner again, and I won't be invited to things, and will be left alone, and I'll never enjoy a vacation again. You might think if I stop drinking, I won't be able to network and connect with my colleagues and I won't be able to do my job so I won't get promoted and I won't hit my sales goals and I might not be able to sustain my income and pay for the things I need to. Or if I stop drinking, I don't know who I'll be. I won't be fun anymore. I'll be boring. I'll fucking bore myself. I won't be able to cope with stress. I'll just live miserably in stress and boredom with no way to escape for the rest of my fucking life. People won't like me and I won't even like myself. So yeah, right? You're listening to that shit and you're looking at those thoughts, your self-talk and objectively, like a person outside of yourself, they'd be like, that's kind of fucking crazy, right? All you're doing is getting rid of drinking a specific unhealthy substance And doing something else, like literally consuming a different beverage. And yet suddenly you're not going to pay the mortgage. You're not going to be able to do your job. You're going to fucking sit there, unable to cope with stress, living miserably in boredom with no way to escape and nobody will like you. Okay, that's crazy. But it's those thoughts. It's that internal self-talk, that fear of change. That's what keeps us stuck living in a just okay life when we could be living a fucking awesome life. And that's the beauty of creating habits that you stick with over time. When you change your cues, your cravings, your responses, your results, when you state your implementation and you just keep going because you've set out your physical and your social environment to support you and not sabotage you, you're getting lots of treats. So it's not that hard. You actually get to see that those fears are not true. You get to see that your husband, in fact, is not going to leave you and still likes you. 
even though you don't drink, that you can still date and have sex and have fun without consuming the exact same beverage when you're out to dinner or sitting on the couch. It is possible. You get to see that you can relax and enjoy your children without your wine after a long day. You literally are able to cope and play Candyland and help with high school homework without drinking. I know, it's a fucking miracle. You get to see that Saturday nights don't actually suck without drinking and that Sunday mornings are amazing with a full night of rest and a clear head and energy. You get to see that you're actually healthier and happier. You look better. You feel better. You're less anxious. You're more confident without drinking. So as Jen described, those familiar fears and excuses, as you're just going through the steps, as you're building the habits, as you're building up your continuous days, your familiar fears and excuses aren't able to shuffle back in and resume their purchase. They aren't able to plant their heavy, defiant bodies in the way of your hopes and dreams. Because day by day, you're seeing that those crazy thoughts aren't actually true. You've been taking things step by step, right? You're not imagining, I couldn't stop drinking because I'm going to fucking lose my job because I can't network, right? You're just going on to day four and day five and day 12 and you're sleeping through the night and you're going on a bike ride and you're having a picnic and you're getting ice cream, right? And as you do that, you have evidence that those fears are not true, right? You're not believing those crazy thoughts that you have in your mind because the evidence just isn't there. So that's what's tripped you up in the past. And it's also what following the principles of what works in behavior change can help you overcome. Before I move on from this point, I wanted to share something that I love that Jen Sincera wrote. She said, there are plenty of people out there in the world living the kind of life that you only dream about living, many of whom are probably far less fabulous and far less talented than you are. The key to their success is they decided to go for it. They stopped listening to their old, tired excuses. They changed their lousy habits and they got the fuck on the fuck. Okay, I also really love Jen. I think mostly because she says fuck a lot and so do I. So don't stay in the place you are. That place kind of sucks. It's the place Jen describes as when you're waffling back and forth, paralyzed by self-doubt and terror, finally eking out a decision that you'll proceed to change over and over and over again. And if you think about that, that's really where we are. When we're thinking about drinking and trying not to drink, then saying, fuck it and drinking again, right? You're waffling back and forth. You're paralyzed by self-doubt. You're finally eking out a decision that you will proceed to change over and over and over again. Or you might be so afraid to make a decision, like not to drink, because you're worried that you'll miss out on another opportunity. So you either choose to do nothing or you try to do everything, which doesn't work when you're building a good habit, right? You're worried about missing out on all the social occasions, so you're afraid to make the decision not to drink. Or option two, you try to not drink, but also go to all the parties, right? That doesn't work at first because you need to change your cues, which lead to your cravings, which lead to your behavior, which is to drink. 
So you basically decide to never decide because you don't want to make the wrong decision. And Jen says, deciding is freedom. Indecision is torture. And that's where I have so much sympathy for who I was when I spent those years knowing that my drinking is a problem, thinking about not drinking, trying not to drink, and then changing my mind and deciding it wasn't worth it, right? Deciding is freedom, living in that place of trying to stop drinking and not stop drinking, that place of indecision, that is torture. And indecision is one of the most popular tricks of staying safe and staying in the boundaries and what's familiar. So in her book, You Are a Badass, Jen talks about the example of when she was deciding to quit smoking. And as you listen to the story, I hope you'll see how it relates to us and the process that we often go through when we're trying not to drink. So Jen says that during that time, if she even toyed with thoughts like, what harm will one itty bitty drag do? She was screwed. She said, your decisions must be watertight because excuses will seep through any little cracks in your resolve. And before you know it, you'll be on your ass. The whole point of deciding is to stop wasting time and move forward, not to spend time figuring out how you can wiggle out of the decision. And Jen said she thought about it this way. She thought, I'm not going to go home and negotiate about whether or not I'm going to smoke a cigarette, just as I'm not going to go home and negotiate whether or not to snort some horse tranquilizers. I don't negotiate about snorting horse tranquilizers because I'm not a horse tranquilizer snorter. And by the way, that's really fucking hard to say. (laughs) Okay, moving on. Now that I don't smoke, I'm not going to negotiate about smoking because I don't smoke. So make the decision right now to change what you've been doing. Make the decision that you're not going to drink for a hundred days. Please don't let your old fears and your old excuses shuffle back in after you've made the decision and resume their purchase and plant their heavy, defiant bodies squarely in the way of your hopes and dreams. Stop negotiating. Just follow the steps of how to build a good habit and how to break a bad habit. Put forth your implementation intention. Follow the plan. And if you need a reminder or to review or to go through how to do it, go back to episode 34 and 35, where I walk through the specific steps to take to make the decision, stop negotiating, and just follow the plan. So the second thing I want to talk about in this habit tipping point episode is what James Clear and Atomic Habits calls the plateau of latent potential. And there is a period of time, a longer period, where you are just doing the work. You're just going through the day. You're building your habits. If you listen to episode 35, we talked about changing your cues and your cravings, your responses, and your rewards in really practical ways to break your habit of drinking and build the new habit of choosing other ways to enjoy life, cope, relax, turn off your mind, bond with your partner and your friends. And in that process, the building of your new habits, it shouldn't be about white knuckling it. It shouldn't feel like deprivation. In episode 35, we talked a lot about sober treats and finding new rewards that make you feel satisfied. A habit has to be enjoyable to be repeated. And so part of the process 
is to replace your reward of drinking with new rewards, ones that actually are self-care and bring you joy and entertainment and relaxation, but that don't leave you with a hangover or regret. But it's also true that it takes a while to reach the tipping point. The point where not drinking just becomes a part of who you are. And a lot of us want instant gratification, and I am 100% with you on that. I am all about instant gratification. So I want to talk to you about that to hopefully frame it for you in a different way. So let's say you're at the point where you're at the basic level, you've broken the habit of drinking, you've reduced your cues to drink, which has reduced your cravings. You've set up a new system of attractive rewards, like sober treats and being proud of the milestones you hit and the progress you've made. You are feeling better. You are focusing on how much more energy you have and that you sleep better and you're less foggy-brained and defensive and irritated. So that is all really great stuff. But past that initial stage, the other thing that trips up women I coach when they're in early sobriety and say they're 35 days along or 42 days or 64, that's when some cue or challenge or trigger comes up and suddenly they really want to drink or it's really hard to not drink. And then they're sad that they're not going to drink. Now, Every day isn't a struggle for them like it was in the first few days or the first three weeks. But when this stuff comes up, they'll say to me, why am I not past this yet? It's been two months or it's been three months or four months. When will this go away? Why aren't I fixed? When is it that I won't even think about drinking or want it or miss it anymore? Okay. And the first thing I do is I remind them that this isn't happening daily like it was happening in the beginning. They go whole days and weeks without craving drinking and feeling really good and happy without it. So of course, as you move through life, you'll have a trigger and you have been drinking as your go-to habit and coping mechanism for what, 10 years, 20 years? It's natural that when some things happen, you suddenly want to drink again, right? It's your knee-jerk reaction. But what I think helps make sense of this and reframe the way you think about the work you're doing is the way James Clear writes about the concept of the plateau of latent potential. And I know that's sort of a crazy term to use or a concept, the plateau of latent potential, but I'm going to break it down for you. So the metaphor that James uses in Atomic Habits to describe this is to imagine that you walk into a room and it's really cold, like say it's 25 degrees and you can see your breath and there's an ice cube sitting on the table and you start to heat up the room. So slowly, it's 26 degrees, 27, 28. The ice cube is still sitting there, 29, 30, 31. And then all of a sudden, you get to 32 degrees. And it's a one degree shift, just like all the ones that came before it. But you hit this phase, this transition, and the ice cube begins to melt. That process of heating up an ice cube is often what it feels like to change your habits. You are accumulating 1%, one degree improvement, and it takes a while to see that you are in fact achieving the new result. And you hear this all the time from other people. People say, I've been running for a month. Why can't I see the change in my body yet? And the response is there that for any behavior you're trying to change, 
the hallmark of any compounding process is that the greatest returns are delayed. So if you've been drinking for 10 years or 20 years habitually, you're not going to change that completely in 40 days or 60 days. Rationally, you know that, of course, it takes more time. Change is happening. It's easier every day. You're feeling better. But all of that does not change at once. But that doesn't mean that change isn't happening. And it doesn't mean that the work you're putting in, not drinking for 30 days or 60 days, building new habits, rewiring your cue, your craving, your response, your reward habit loop, up-leveling your physical environment, expanding your universe of social support. That doesn't mean all that work is wasted or that the behavior change you're doing isn't working. Some of that energy is just being stored. So complaining about working on a habit or being frustrated or allowing that to serve as an excuse or to draw you back into drinking is like complaining about the heating of the ice cube from 25 degrees to 31 degrees and being like, what the fuck? It's not melting yet. All these degrees increases. It doesn't matter. It doesn't mean that it was wasted. You just haven't hit that threshold of latent potential. You're building up energy. You're building up potential energy that can then be released once you've crossed whatever the threshold is for that particular habit. So I think this is one of the most challenging parts for people. So for example, say you haven't had a drink in 30 days or 60 days, you're doing all the hard work and you're not getting the positive reinforcement that you deserve for it. Your partner or your friends might even consciously or unconsciously sabotage or play down your efforts. They might say things like, you're being too hard on yourself. You should let loose. Why don't you just have a drink tonight? It's really a personal journey at that point, what you're doing. You're not getting praise from anyone. You see your days adding up and you see yourself waking up without a hangover and your face is less puffy and you have more energy. But still, this thing you were hoping for, whatever it was, to not ever feel like you wish like you could drink again, or to not ever feel like you want to check out or numb out or to get more social acceptance and praise from others that you're not drinking and doing this really hard thing and that you're fucking awesome. You're not receiving it yet. And what's happening is the ice cube is taking a long time to melt. And that's why it's so important to connect with people who get it with the sober groups I recommend or with a program because those people know. They know that your first two weeks and your first 30 days that you are doing incredibly hard work and you deserve all the high fives for it. They know in a way that your partner and your friends and your family may not. They know that day five is huge and that you deserve a damn parade on day eight, that 30 days may be longer than you have gone without a drink in a year or in five years or since your kids were born. That is a big deal. And it can be like that for almost any process. And so I think the idea of building up latent potential, the work not being wasted, but instead being stored, is something that can be really useful to keep in mind when you're working on a habit. And James talks about how that is true for almost any process in life. It's not the final thing you did that actually made the difference. And that's also why both when you think about the stored energy, the latent potential, 
And what I want to talk about now, the compounding benefit, that's why you should be far more concerned with your current trajectory than your current position. And that helps you hold on when you inevitably have a boring moment or have a trigger or experience a stressful time, right? That's what's going to help you keep going. So the third thing I want to talk about in this habit tipping point episode is that habits are the compounding interest of self-improvement. So in the same way that money multiplies through compound interest, and when I think of this, I always think of that 401k chart they show you when they're encouraging you to set up your 401k about how the line curves slowly and then it starts to go up and up and up. And when I think of this, I always think of that 401k chart they show you about how money compounds over time. They show you that line about how the line curves up slowly, 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 and then it goes up and almost vertical. That compounding interest concept is also relevant for the effects of your habits as they multiply, as you repeat them across time. And a challenge is that at the beginning of any process, like on day one or day 10, the line goes up pretty slowly. Like, don't get me wrong, it is better, but it's not suddenly like you're a different person. But in terms of that compound interest, if you stop drinking three glasses a night, five days a week, or a bottle a night, seven days a week, like I did, if you stop that versus keeping on the current track that you're on, right? Drinking every night or drinking a whole lot every few nights, over months and over years, the difference in your positive or negative trajectory over one year or three years or five years, that's immense. You will end up in a completely different place for better or worse. And I thought this a lot after I got out of super early sobriety, but when I was at like 60 days or 100 days, I thought about what my life would be like or what my son's life would be like over 10 years if I drank or if I stopped drinking. So when I quit drinking, my son, Hank, was eight years old. And I imagined what his life would be like, sorry, I'm going to get emotional, between the ages of eight and 18. If I drank every single night the way I was drinking, right? If I drank a bottle of wine a night and or more. And I knew that the elevator only goes down, right? I knew that my drinking was not getting better. I wondered if by the time he was 16 or 17 or 18, if he'd even want to bring his friends home at night, if I was there drinking the way I was for another eight years. And then I thought about what his life and what my life would be like if I kept on not drinking. So say I was 60 days in or 100 days in, I hadn't drank a bottle of wine a night for 60 days. And I thought about that multiplying over the course of 10 years. I quit when I was 40. I was like, oh my fucking God, what could I be like at the age of 45 if I was a woman who hadn't had a fucking drink in five years? What would I be like at age 50 if I hadn't had a drink in 10 years? So A, pretty sure that my relationship with Hank, who I love more than anything, would be so much better. I would be present. He wouldn't see me, especially as he grew up drinking, getting slurry, passing out on the couch. He wouldn't be afraid to come home, be like, shit, is she drunk yet? I mean, I wasn't there when I quit, but I could see myself getting there, right? It would happen. And 
I thought about those 10 years, if I wasn't drinking for him and for me, we would be close. I would help him. I would be present with him. It's been almost five years. He is so proud of me for not drinking. He just is. He like gave me with my husband, the most beautiful fast vase filled up with 1000 clear little stones for my thousands day. They literally went to Target and counted out a thousand stones. So he is proud of me. And I was like, when I'm 50, what will I be doing? Will I be like Margaret Ward, who I adore, who came on my podcast in an earlier episode? Will I be like going to Iceland and running half marathons or going to Italy? Just in the past couple of years, I've gone up to Salt Spring Island and done these amazing yoga retreats. I fucking quit my corporate job and started a coaching business and started a podcast. Like the trajectory of my life, that 401k curve, over time, those compounding benefits of who I would be if I kept drinking versus who I am when I'm not drinking, that is huge. So when you change your habit of drinking, not only do you get to not feel like crap every morning, not only do you get to have more energy and sleep better and have your face look less bloated and remember things more easily, but you also, you get to change the trajectory of your life from one that is declining slowly now, but likely much more steeply over time to one that is improving slowly now and exponentially over time. Impressive results are actually the natural outcome of many small improvements accumulating over time. And that is one of the reasons why habits are so significant. Because if you can just build a slightly different habit, a slightly better habit, and then you can just let the benefits from that habit compound for you day in and day out. So good habits make time your ally and bad habits make time your enemy. With good habits, your life is going to be fucking amazing five years from now. And if you keep your bad habits, it's probably not going anywhere amazing. And if you have good habits, all you need to do is sit back and let time work for you. You just need to be patient. But if you have bad habits, every day that clicks by, you're putting yourself behind the eight ball a little bit more. So every time you decide to stop drinking, and then on Thursday, you say, screw it, and you drink again until Monday, and you do that for weeks and months and even a few years, that time spent in a bad habit is compounding. It's taking you away from your goal further and further every month and every year. And that's one of the central reasons why small habits, they matter so much. They don't just add up. They compound. So focus on the trajectory of the direction you're headed. If you stop drinking now and then you build up two days and five days and 20 days, if you keep on that streak of continuous sober days, you don't stop and start over. You don't go back. Focus on the trajectory you're on. You're on that 401k curve that's only going up and up and up. And then you can see the huge difference of where you'll be in six months or a year and the vast difference between six months of you drinking versus you not drinking. And if you do it right, you will not be suffering in the process either. 
you're getting yourself lots of treats. You're celebrating your milestones. Maybe you're buying yourself a bike. You're going to yoga practice. You're waking up early in the morning to journal. I don't know what you're doing, but it's something way better than waking up with a hangover. And you're letting time work for you. So if you hit moments of frustration, when your progress feels slow, when you feel like you're not making a huge difference in your efforts day to day, or if those thoughts crop up where you think, I'll just drink tonight, this weekend, this week, and I can just start again on this date, shift your focus to your current trajectory. And that allows you to feel really positive about those improvements you're making each day even if you don't see them, because you are letting time work for you. All right, this was the third podcast in the series about how to break your habit of drinking based on the research into what works in changing behavior for long-term success. And it's the research summarized really, really well in the book, Atomic Habits by James Clear. So if you love this stuff, if you're super into it, Go ahead and grab the book, read it or listen to it. I highly recommend it. And I highly recommend the You Are a Badass books by Jen Sincero. I love listening to them, but she's written not only You Are a Badass, but You Are a Badass at Making Money and two books on habits. And if you are interested in going further into doing this work and having me teach you and hold your hand through the process about how to implement these ideas, how to stop drinking using identity-based habits, how to change your habit of drinking by up-leveling and refining your cues, your cravings, your responses, and your rewards, by staying the course, by doing all the things that will help you feel fabulous and get to the tipping point of when choosing not to drink just becomes part of who you are, I really invite you to go check out my new online on-demand course. It's called the Sobriety Starter Kit. You can find out all about it by going to www.sobrietystarterkit.com. I am honestly so proud. It is based on the framework, the step-by-step process, and the system that I go through with my private one-on-one coaching clients. And if you're interested in doing that work, but you're not ready or able, or you just don't want to work with a private coach, I really think this course will make a difference. It is a wonderful gift you can give yourself to change the trajectory of your life. So please check that out. You can find it at sobrietystarterkit.com. And thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Hello Someday podcast. If you're interested in learning more about me, the work I do, and access free resources and guides to help you build a life you love without alcohol, please visit hellosomedaycoaching.com. And I would be so grateful if you would take a few minutes to rate and review this podcast so that more women can find it and join the conversation about drinking less and living more. Oh, hey, it's Erin. And I'm Michaela, and we're the hosts of the Two Sober Girls podcast, and we are on a mission to spill the wild truth about sobriety. Forget the rosé all day cliche. Sobriety is flipping amazing. Absolutely. It's not just about quitting the drink. It's a gift you give yourself and your loved ones. 
So what are you waiting for? Break up with that old toxic relationship with alcohol and let us show you the possibilities. And here's the thing. Everything your precious heart desires becomes way easier without the influence of alcohol. We're not just two sober girls. We're also wellness coaches. We're here to show you how to optimize health, lifestyle, and beauty, feel sexy and alive as F. So stay tuned because we're rolling out new episodes every Monday, wherever you get your podcasts and trust us. They have your name written all over them. We can't wait to share the magic of sobriety and wellness with you. Subscribe to Two Sober Girls Podcast today and come follow us on Instagram for behind the scenes action and send us a DM. We can't wait to meet you.